It's a Trump bump. This time on Poll Hub, the president gets his highest approval rating ever in a Marist poll. And just like that, lots of people who loudly proclaimed us fake poll think we're cool. And lots of people who thought we were cool now think we're a fake poll. Well, maybe not. We're, we're going to take some Twitter questions and comments and explain why we are not a fake poll and why maybe we're not all that cool either, but we can live with that. Also, tariffs, Russian election meddling, and what's up with our friend at CNN, Harry Enten? Lots to do. Let's get started. And hi, everybody. I'm J.D. Dapper, Director of Innovation here at the Marist Poll, and this is Paul Hub. And I'm Lee Maringoff, Director of the Marist College Institute for Public Opinion. And I'm Barbara Carvalho, Director of the Marist Poll. So you guys were at the Gridiron Dinner in Washington, and Barbara, you got to speak with the president, and then we did a poll, and he has his highest approval rating ever. There are many people who believe the fix is in. Yeah, sounds like collusion to me. Um, but actually, the president uh, was very interested in uh, hearing about his poll, most recent poll numbers, um, which have been uh going up in a number of different polls. And also this week, uh, we had our results, and we find that he is at his highest point um, at 42% among adults, among all Americans nationally, um, which is the highest since uh, Inauguration Day. Yeah, and I, and I think uh, one of the things uh, that you did talk to the president about at the gridiron, um, and also uh, we find in, in the numbers, is that when when he seems to be talking about public policy, about his agenda, although in the short run, people may not like what he's doing. We're going to talk about tariffs in a minute, and that's not necessarily very popular. Uh, and certainly the tax cut wasn't, but then over time, it seemed to gain some popularity. Bottom line, when he seems to get into the agenda and policy stuff, people think he's being more in the presidential role and less on doing all these tweets and all the scandals and all the controversies and all everything else. Although Stormy Daniels comes up in the yeah. midst of all this. Yeah, a payoff, uh, you know, I, it, yeah. it doesn't seem like if you could step back and remember three months ago or four months ago, which none of us can because <laughs> the compressed news cycle, it doesn't seem like it's all that different from any other kind of moment in time. You've talked about uh, whether a poll is is out in front and becomes mm. the conventional wisdom, you know, or becomes the the the, yeah. the set. Uh, later sort of on. Are the, you, out, the outlier yeah. which becomes the conventional wisdom. Is yeah. that what you think this is? Or uh, my, my is this maybe just a My sense here. of it is his numbers are not also, I mean, 42 among all adults is not exactly breaking you know, the records. It just happens to be good for someone who's been incredibly low. We did see, though, that his numbers in the South had taken the biggest change in terms of having been upside down, and now he has a plurality of support in the South. So that's something that might be watchable down the road to see if that is trendable. But other than that, I'm not so sure this is, uh, this is not necessarily, I don't think, the direction he's going in. Well, also, I think there are a couple of things here. First of all, uh, Stormy Daniels aside, we have been having discussions about uh, gun control, um, we've been having uh, discussions um, about the economy and whether that's doing well or not. Um, there were some rocky days with the stock market, but I think overall the economy has been positive, and certainly Americans give him credit for that. Uh, the, the other thing is that even uh, discussions of tariff, whether, as Lee mentioned, whether the, the policy is popular or not, 
I think that he do, he benefits from just having those kinds of discussions and dialogues um, in in I, the in the public realm. And finally, I think just this. I think it will be interesting to see and whether you know this uh, theory kind of plays out um, with the whole issue of North Korea, because I mm-hmm. think we're going to be hearing a lot of th- that um, with the potential meeting between um, the two leaders um, over the the next several weeks, perhaps months, and we'll see if that in fact does uh, benefit President Trump in terms of how Americans think he's doing in that role. So let me ask and, you. And, I, and let me just throw one more, and I hate to say this, but it seems like, and I hate to say this, but it, when it comes to Donald Trump, this is not new news. I mean, we've been down this road in many ways and others, you know, mentions I, I, before. Look, it's true. There's those, all of these allegations, 26 women during the campaign, yeah. it didn't, it, he still got elected. And, so, yeah. and I think people are reacting to, yeah. you know, I mean, as Barb said, when he gets talking about public policy, this is something that right. people, that's a little change. And maybe people are reacting to change. Again, the numbers are not breaking new, you know, except, you know, except in the South, as you, as yeah. you did mention, he's now right side up when he, his numbers were upside down. Um, okay. last time around. And so I think that this is uh, to be continued. Okay, so Kate Ogden on Twitter, she tweeted at us, landlines, come on. I haven't had a landline in 15 years. You say 50% is cell-based? If my cell phone blocks unknown callers, you're not reaching me or a majority of voters. you got to find a better way. What do you say? <laughs> Barb, you, I, I, I'll let you handle this. I mean, I don't have a landline well, either. Actually, yeah, actually, we do uh, do mostly um, cell phone. Um, anywhere um, from half of our sample is cell phone only, or mostly households. Um, now, understand. I think it would be um, you know helpful if we were able to uh, you know pretty much do everything by cell phone. There is there are only a few households that. That are landline only. Mm-hmm. But we do find that a number of Americans have landlines, not necessarily the old-fashioned kind that plugged into your wall, but the ones that um, you can get through your cable cable company. Mm-hmm. Um, and so um, it, is, it is a balance. Um, and um, what's interesting is we, we find this a lot, that um, if people think that they cannot be reached... Um, it, it what we do is we try to reach someone on an on a on a number individually, and we keep trying to do that. And if we can't make it through to them, um, we do replace that number with a number which is geographically proximate to to that particular number. Mm-hmm. So in polling, um, we kind of have this sense of if we don't get a hold of you in particular, we do get a hold of someone who is likely to have similar views that you would. And, and the rule is, of course, that in polling, you want to have everybody have a chance of getting into the survey. Now, if you don't have a mobile device, we have to have a way to reach you. And so that's why we do call people on landlines. So, I mean, the bottom line on this is that every now and then, actually not every now and then, one of the most constant things any pollsters get is people saying, well, you didn't call me, so how could this be right? And the fact is that with hundreds of millions of Americans and a poll that polls a thousand people, you can still have scientific uh, you know, reasonable yeah, scientific you, certitude you, that these numbers you are probably very have a better to. chance of winning the lottery. Well, but also, I think I, in our culture we have this value yes. of individualism. That you know, we we are all individuals. We 
we think uniquely, um, and um, you know we we are separate and different from others. Unfortunately, in survey research, we actually make the opposite assumption that there's probably thirty to forty thousand people just like each individual. So if we don't get someone specifically, uh, we can move on to someone who is very close to you. Okay, real quick, one other, uh, and this is from, uh, actually I can't, they're all symbols in the Twitter handle, so I really can't help tell who this is. Anyway, that poll with a 3.8% error margin is hardly meaningful, just a bad guesstimate, or you picked some really thick-headed subjects, clearly someone who's not a Trump fan. Uh, there, there is yeah. this perception that we pick people, and yeah. that would be surmising we have panels of people right. that we no. do, and we don't use panels. No, no, Talk it's, a it's, bit about it's that. a random, it's a random selection process. So, what does that mean? And and that means you know everybody's in the bucket, and everybody gets pulled if out. If you have with, a phone number, if you have a, a phone cell number, phone or a landline, you have an equal chance of getting into the into this pool. And and I think also you have to understand that the so-called margin of error that people hear about is you know poor margin of error, badly named. It's not an error at all. It's a statistical allowance for a range that all polls have, depending on the number of people mostly that you, that you survey. And so it's not really an error. It's that all polls are estimates, and it falls within that, that range uh, doing the poll. And there's a lot of sources of inaccuracy in polls. Lord knows that, that we have to confront all those from you know how we pick people, questions we ask, how the interviews are conducted, how we analyze the data. is all potential things that can move us away from the actual number. That's what separates a good poll right. from a bad poll. And okay, I think so. also that um, we have had uh, Trump's approval rating in particular um, in a very narrow range. He's mm-hmm. He's been from the, you know, the mid to the mid-30s, and this is really the first time we at the Marist poll have had him even in the 40s uh, since since inauguration Still day. Still within the error margin of some of the polls are showing 39 right. and 38. And, and I must say, and, and this is something maybe for a future uh, podcast, but you know, you know, Barack Obama was sort of in the mid-40s for a long time, and we used to have presidents kind of go up and come down depending on events, and now we're seeing, you know, the you know people are for you or they're against you, and there's not a lot of movement. This wasn't a lot of movement. It was only noteworthy because it was some movement and in a positive direction. Yeah, so we'll see if there's a trend there. I mean, that's really the bottom line yep. is, you know, a month from now, two months from now, does this hold or is it just a, mm-hmm. this just a bump? One uh, Heather Long uh, tweeted at us about this. She was actually tweeting at somebody else who had tweeted a particularly uh, kind of rude <laughs> tweet at our, at our poll. And um, she noted uh, the approval rating is highest in staking office and above water in the South, like we just discussed. But she said this, feelings are lukewarm on tariffs, though with 64% of Americans thinking the tariffs will make their costs go up. So we did ask about tariffs, and that is correct. 64% say they think the costs will go up. That doesn't sound like uh, necessarily a good number for the president, uh, but is it? Is it what well, it seems on the surface? I, well, I think the tariff is, you know, created a, a lot of dissonance uh, in places uh, where the president would not have wanted it to. For example, many in Washington and many of his, you know, Republican, more established leaders. I mean, the idea of moving away from a uh, market base to a tariff uh, is uh, sort of uh, blasphemy to the, to those folks in the Republican Party. And we saw that in uh, Gary Cohn, you know, stepping aside and, and, and 
resigning. Uh, what I thought was very interesting in the data, yes, people think prices are going to increase. And yes, they think it's going to hurt more than it's going to help. A plurality, a plurality. of Americans think that. 42% think that it's going to hurt the economy. Uh, 27% uh, think it's going to help. Uh, but almost uh, one in five, 18%, don't think it's really going to make any difference. And the first thing I looked at when I saw this question and the results was, how are Republican voters around the country, how are they reacting? Because we've heard that this is really going to drive a wedge, really a split within his Republican base. And a lot of people in Congress were sort of saying, no, Mr. President, we don't want to go this way. And yet, among Republicans, 45% were supporting the paragraph. These are Republican voters, 23%. Uh, say no. So, yeah, there's some negativism there, some fallout, but it wasn't exactly, you know. But that, you know, what that really points out to me is this notion that Republican voters and the Republicans in Washington are all aligned. And what Trump proved in the last election was that the Republican Party had drifted pretty far away from at least some of its base. Now, some of the urban, well-educated, that part of the Republican base was probably not terribly solid anyway. And they're Kind of Democrats are independents now, at least under this president. But the the Republican base, as it is in the South and the West and smaller town and rural, Very uh, much Trump, Trump has yeah. from day one had his finger on their pulse a lot better than the Paul Ryans and Mitch McConnell. So of this some of world. the leaders I, in Congress may be influenced by that kind of traditional Republican stance and less about the fact that the party has been Trumpified. Yeah. Well, also, and I think we see that uh, in the numbers, when we take a look, we do ask a question about you know how people describe the place where they live. Do they think of it as a, as a big city? Do they think of it as a small city, suburb, uh, a small town, or rural area? And we do see a very different uh, impressions about the tariff depending upon how people describe where they live. For instance, 51% of people who um, live in a big city and 46% of those who live in small cities, and in fact, almost half of those who live in suburbs think that the tariff is going to hurt. But among residents of rural communities and small towns, People in rural areas, 39%, uh, nearly 4 in 10, think it's going to help, and only 29% think it's going to hurt. People who live in small towns divide, 35 think it's going to hurt, 33 is going to help. So I think we're seeing not just um, a polarization uh, among Democrats and Republicans, but I think we're also seeing the difference between urban and rural America as well. Right, and Ron Brownstein would argue that that is actually the Democratic-Republican split now as it's been moving. So we also asked about Russia, and we've been asking about this for the last couple of polls. Every few weeks we've been asking Mm -hmm. to see if uh, Americans believe that Russians are going to interfere in the election again in 2018. I got all riled a couple, about a month and a half ago when the numbers were pretty low of people believing that, including Democrats, when on that very day we were asking the top uh, leaders Mm -hmm. of an intelligence community had testified in front of Congress that indeed the Russians were already involved in Mm -hmm. messing with the 2018 elections. Uh, Americans are coming to to my way of thinking, it looks like. (laughs) Well, 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 you know, yes, you've now reached you've now reached majority so um i think last uh, time when we we looked at this um not when you started railing <laughs> against america but in late Jay, yeah late february uh, the numbers had come up to 48 percent, and now they're at 51 yeah. percent. so I, I have some bad yeah i have some bad but so i look back to <laughs> february of 2017 a year ago now think of what's happened on this topic in a year it's been almost a daily drumbeat 
President Trump has done nothing wrong, 40% has fallen to 36%. Well, that's not much of a difference at all. Has he done something illegal? 19% think yes. Now, 26% in a year think so. So these are not exactly earthquake changes uh, in the reaction of President Trump, in spite of the Mueller commission, which people think uh, investigation, which people think are generally fair, uh, and they want him to complete the investigation. Nonetheless, in terms of uh, people's reaction to Donald Trump and what they think has gone on, there's been an awful lot that has occurred in the press and the media, and people are not reacting necessarily to it. Sorry, Jay. And um, a, a good friend of the Marist poll, who was at 538 and is now at CNN, Harry Enten, uh, wrote a column. Uh, he's just started at CNN, so this is kind of not maybe his debut, but pretty close. And Lee, uh, you had a bit of a bone to pick with yeah, him. Yeah, yeah, I read this, and and I, and I fear to uh, you know go in against Harry because I've respected him enormously on everything he's written, uh, and you and know, he's you, kind of really smart, and he's kind of like really really bright, so you take a big risk. But he says in his article, Trump is unpopular, but he's actually gained support. Since Election Day. Now, our poll has showed that he's gained a little support in the most immediate time. But since Election Day, so we went back and looked at his numbers. Now, what Harry did, and this this is the bone to pick, he went back to the numbers for Donald Trump before the election and then what they are in current polls among one, two, three, four, five, six, six or seven pollsters, uh, ours included. And he found that there's been a shift in Trump from... Uh, you know, in a positive direction in each of these polls. The problem we had with that is by going before election, you're taking a time where, you know, the negativism is at its peak. So if you come off of that, then there's a likelihood that, in fact, things are going to look better if you're going to compare it now to, let's say, October uh, when he was running against uh, Hillary Clinton. So, for example, and I'll just finish this point on then Barb can jump in, um, we had a 33-point negative rating for Donald Trump before the election. But then when he was elected, it fell to 9%. So if you compare our numbers now with before the election, we're comparing against that minus 33-point approval favorability. Well, he's going to look a lot better. And that's the case with all of them. Compared against a minus 9 then, well, you know, things aren't so good. In fact, his numbers are worse and have gotten worse by 13 points since then. So, Harry, I'm not sure why, why you did it before the election. Uh, if you we'll did have it to afterwards, ask him. We'll have to ask him, or maybe he'll respond. Well, we'll get him on the podcast yeah, here, we can do and, that. and we'll ask him. So, Barb, do you have so, anything well, to add well, to this? So, uh, one of the things... Are uh, you going to let me hang out it, on this one? No, 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 no. I wouldn't, I, even though you seem to be very wild about Harry. Um, <laughs> but I think that what we did is that we took a look at a, a different question because so because what we monitor mostly during a, a president's administration is the approval rating and how they're doing um, as as president and we actually start uh, during the transition uh, just before they're president and so um, in the, our last segment we were talking about the president's approval rating being at its highest point since inauguration, but it was actually higher during the transition. Um, when During that time, uh, 49% of Americans approved of the job that President uh, Trump was doing uh, during the transition, and 42% disapproved. So when we, when we take a look at that, um, we, we see that actually after Inauguration Day is when he came down. No um, honeymoon. 
there really wasn't a honeymoon after that. Um, after a number of cabinet uh, pos uh, positions, uh, you know, were were made, and and so he's been um, in that kind of high thirties number since then, and just recently it, it really, has come up. It, but it points out the the both the the danger and what po people will point out as one of the problems with uh, using data is that you can use data that is factual and true and accurate to make points by setting, um, in this case, an in point and an out point that may not be as relevant as if you slide that in point a bit. I mean, that's what you're arguing yeah, here. Exactly. And, and, and it's interesting that he would make this case because it does seem like um, it's an apples to oranges comparison a bit, and it's good for a headline, but it doesn't really tell the story as accurately as what you're suggesting. Well, so as, I think we're also said, looking at this in terms of the, you know, in terms of the midterms, because in the past, and we don't know that this is necessarily going to be the case in the future, but in the past, a president's job approval rating has really uh, told us something about how his party is going to do in the midterms. So when we look at President Obama, um, when he was in the, his transition, his approval was 63%. And by this time in his administration, um, his approval rating had gone down to 44%. Barely above Donald Trump's approval rating in the and latest he, poll. And, and then actually, he went into the 2010 elections, which was Tea Party elections, where he got Which was shellacked. a disaster. I now remember yes. that word, it, shellacked. It, it was a disaster for Democrats and Obama. Right. And actually, what's interesting is that's what the 44 percent is what he was doing among registered voters. And when we look at registered voters now and Trump, those numbers are identical. He's at 44 percent. Yeah. 42 is all adults. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, well. So, you know, as Barb said, you know, we're wild about Harry. And we'll find out after this a program whether he's still wild about us. Well, we'll invite him on uh, yes. and get him on a next, maybe not the next edition, but uh, a future Soon edition of Poll Hub. That is going to do it for this particular edition, though, of Poll Hub. Uh, this is a production of the Marist Poll here at Marist College in snowy this time, Poughkeepsie, New York. Mary Griffith is our excellent executive producer. And uh, we'd like to thank the Roper Center Archives at Cornell University. I'm a member of the board of the Roper Center, and we would not be able to look at all the trend data and survey questions over time without the great work that they do. And we encourage, as we used on this program, people not only to send questions to us at pollhub at maris.edu, but tweets are good too, and we will respond to those as we have on this program Um uh, particularly hard-hitting ones. Those are good. Yeah, so definitely check us out on social media. We're Maris Poll on Twitter, Maris Poll on Facebook, Snapchat, and Instagram. And please, wherever you are listening to us, don't forget to subscribe. Subscribe.